AWRI Decanted, a podcast from the Australian Wine Research Institute, where wine scientists reveal their latest discoveries and how they're being used by grape growers and winemakers. Winemakers and wine drinkers have traditionally been taught that oxygen is an enemy of wine. However, research at the AWRI is showing that oxygen addition during fermentation can have significant benefits. Interestingly, the benefits are not the same for red and white winemaking. The person who's been delving into the effects on reds is Dr Simon Schmidt, a man who ended up in the world of winemaking via a path of plant biology and a bit of drumming in between. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and to find out more about the advantages of aeration, Simon joins me in the AWRI studio. Simon, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Drew. It's great to be here. Simon, you haven't always been in the wine game. In fact, you were travelling halfway around the planet with a bunch of drums in your backpack. How did that happen? Well, I started out with really wanting to explore the world a little bit and ended up in India and found that I was really fascinated by Indian music and Indian drums and decided there to take up uh, learning of that and brought that ultimately back to Australia with me as a as an ongoing sort of general interest. You were a scientist though, weren't you? Before you went and did that, you were kind of escaping the lab for want of a better description. Yeah, I was, I was a research assistant in quite a busy lab and was surrounded by, at the time, a whole lot of PhD students that were just finishing and it was all of them were quite stressed out and I guess I sort of felt that it was time for me to really take a break from all of that and have a look at what else was out there. So how does a guy who escapes the stress of the lab, goes off and does the hippie trail, end up coming back and becoming a PhD student? Yeah, well, when I arrived back in Australia, I ended up getting a job in a plant nursery and I really became interested in plants excessively while working there. And while I was working there, I was offered, uh, my old professor rang me up and offered me an opportunity to start a PhD in plant science, looking at how plants resist disease. So, and that seemed like an offer too good to refuse. So I took him up on that, completed my PhD there, studying flax and flax rust. And that led me on to studying yeast as a tool that I used to understand how these uh, plants and pathogens interact in such an intimate way. So was it the yeast that ended up being the tie-in for you for wine research? Absolutely. So at the time when I was making these um, plant disease resistance proteins in a yeast, I came into contact with folks working at the Australian Wine Research Institute who were also interested in using yeast as a tool to make proteins that were important in wine research. So that led me down the pathway of coming into contact with a broader range of yeasts and getting to know um, yeasts that are involved in the production of wine. The thing we want to talk about in detail today is actually, I I suppose, tied into that really, because you've been looking at the effects of oxygen in fermentation. Can you just explain why you'd want to vary that? Well, typically, winemaking is a a fight against air in some ways. It's an anaerobic process. So the great thing about wine yeasts is they can turn sugar into alcohol, or most yeasts really turn sugar into alcohol um, in the absence of oxygen. But it doesn't mean that bit of air can't benefit them. And so part of my starting project when I began at the Adabra was looking at yeast stress and, and the stress response. And when you inoculate a yeast into a ferment, it's a quite a stressful environment for an organism to go into. It's got high sugar and low pH and not much water available necessarily, and it has to convert all that sugar into alcohol. So a lot of the early work in how to help yeasts complete that ferment involved giving them a little bit of air just to 
provide them with one of the key nutrients that they need to make membranes that help them grow. And so that's fundamentally why people started looking at aeration during fermentation is to aid in fermentation performance parameters. And so in terms of adding air, is it, is it just purely adding air, Simon, or is it adding oxygen that you looked at in particular? I mean, obviously, uh, oxygen is a major component of air. So we use air in the aeration process. But in the end, what we're actually measuring and what yeast are using is the oxygen component of that air. Typically, when I'm talking about adding oxygen, primarily we talk about aeration and we use air to pump that through a ferment. Yeah, I assume the oxygen component of that that yeast are taking up and using. Yeah, I assumed it was the oxygen component of air, but I just wanted to be clear whether you you had pumped pure oxygen in there. And I imagine that would be not the path to go because that would be expensive as well to go down that path. Well, some people might use pure oxygen, so it's certainly possible. But yeah, it's the expense component. And I guess there's um, an occupational risk to using pure oxygen in a commercial environment. Most people would have compressors, uh, larger wineries have compressors that can deliver air. So that's a fundamental reason why we typically would use air in a production environment. So in terms of the final product, you know, what the consumer drinks, what elements does aeration add to a wine? Well, aside from being, I guess, a fermentation aid or a key nutrient that you might use to stimulate yeast performance, aerating a ferment can result in a number of different effects on the final wine. And I guess that when I'm about to say this, I want to maybe distinguish between using aeration to stimulate fermentation performance in whites and the outcomes that you might see in reds. But typically, because they're really two different types of things that you end up with, when you aerate red wines, what you'll typically will see is a decrease in reductive characters. So there's a whole pile of low molecular volatile sulfur compounds that can generate characters in wine that are less desirable. I would say aerating a red ferment can decrease that wine's astringency and aerating a red wine or a red ferment can increase the concentration of compounds that contribute to red fruit characters in red wines. And all these things are desirable attributes that will benefit the consumer. Simon, you focused your study on purely red ferments and you replicated this over a number of years. What was the size of the study? The most recent work that we've put out is a summary of four years worth of vintage trials but I guess that was built off of earlier work where we were putting pure oxygen into ferment so in that earlier work there was a couple of key observations around this decrease in reductive characters and increased perception of red fruit characters in those wines and we really wanted to explore a number of ways of getting air into those ferments and explore the reproducibility of that to ensure that what we were observing wasn't just a a single vintage effect, but was reproducible over a number of years and a number of vintages. So each vintage, the fruit comes in and and can be quite different from the year before. You have different nutrient levels in those ferments. And so we wanted to ensure that the way we were aerating the ferments and the amount that we were aerating them would result in a consistent end product, if you like, so that those things that I was talking about could be consistently observed year on year. And you managed to do that over four years. How were you aerating them? In the end, the way we aerated them was to put small sinters in the bottom of our fermentation vessels. And I guess we did it in a number of different ways. We really were interested in whether or not you could get away with short duration aerations or whether those ferments required a much longer exposure to air or oxygen to stimulate those types of observations that we had earlier. 
And so one of the key things that we're really interested in was to provide different options for winemakers that might not necessarily have the capacity to aerate for either a long time or a short time. We wanted to understand whether or not it was possible to get these types of benefits from aeration uh, using different input methods. In the end, what we did was look at longer duration aeration, so from 24 to 48 hours, leaking air in at very low flow rates, or putting it in at very high flow rates for short periods of time, one or two hours, and try and observe whether or not those two different input uh, methods would give you the same sort of results. And ultimately, I guess what we found was that it was quite beneficial to have low amounts of air constantly there for maybe 24 hours. It was harder to achieve that same sort of outcome with a short duration, high intensity aeration. Simon, are the risks that go with this? You know, I immediately think about oxidisation, but I'm not sure whether that's really an issue in the fermentation process, or is it if you stick too much in? It turns out that red ferments are incredibly resilient towards aeration or oxygen exposure. Ferments in general are, because it's got those yeasts in there, they're producing large amounts of CO2, which protect against oxidation for a start. Part of the thing that we want to occur with red wines is limited amounts of, I guess, formal oxidation. So after the yeasts have had their fill of whatever oxygen is available, what we want with aerating red ferments is for enough free oxygen to be floating around for some of the wine chemistry to interact with that oxygen. And that results in these uh, changes in astringency, a softening of tannin. Beyond that, it's going to be very difficult for a winemaker to put enough air into a red ferment to really stimulate those classic oxidation characters. So what we what we can see if you put in really large amounts of air is the slow accumulation of acetic acid, which ultimately gives rise to like vinegar type characters and acetaldehyde. But it's very difficult to achieve enough aeration to start to see that level of oxidation in a, at least in a red wine ferment. It's kind of comforting to know that it's almost difficult to muck up for want of a better description. Simon, have you been working with partners in industry who are already adding oxygen to their ferments? We're starting to do that increasingly now. So on the back of all of that research, where we're really trying to go to is work with folks who are interested in aeration and, and are just trying to better understand the best ways to try and get that working for them. So we are working with different partners at the moment to understand what it's going to take to appropriately aerate a 400,000 litre ferment, for example. So most of our work is done in an experimental winery and the maximum size of those ferments is 400 litres. But once you're going into a commercial setting and you have to start working at 40,000 or 400,000 litres, then the logistics of trying to get air into those ferments is quite a lot different. And so that's where we're at at the moment. Simon, what would your message be to a winemaker who hasn't added oxygen before but is thinking about trying it for the next vintage? Reds are really robust towards aeration, so they're unlikely to have these problems potentially associated with oxidation. There's almost no chance of over-aerating a red ferment, especially at the scales that folks are working at commercially. One of the benefits of aeration, the decrease in volatile sulfur compounds, can be achieved with relatively limited amounts of aeration and, and that will be more evident in the products of red wine fermentation. So that's where my main message to winemakers that hadn't had a chance to experiment with aeration would be that there's benefits to be had and that starting with red wine ferments, although more difficult because of the nature of the way red ferments are conducted, there's less risk associated with aerating those ferments. And 
probably greater gains to be had in terms of managing reductive characters. Dr. Simon Schmidt, fascinating work that you've been doing and I really look forward to seeing what the outcomes are as you go into larger scale productions with it. But for now, thank you for joining me in the AWRI studio. Uh, Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. The AWRI Decanted podcast is supported by Australia's grape growers and winemakers through their investment agency, Wine Australia, with matching funds from the Australian Government.